1968, just four years after Booth published his rhetorical stance paper, Lloyd Bitzer dropped his bombshell entitled The Rhetorical Situation. For me, Bitzer ushers in a Copernican revolution in rhetorical theory. Why do I think of Copernicus here? Because both Copernicus and Bitzer revamp an Aristotelian view of the world and force us to look at it differently. Aristotle was an amazing thinker, no question here. Many of his ideas persisted for over a thousand years. Some of his ideas are still current in some form today. One idea that has lost traction is the geocentric theory. The idea that the Earth is the center of the universe, the sun and the planets orbit us. This idea was certainly popular for a very long time, but clearly by 1514, its weakness was becoming obvious to people like Copernicus. Now, for example, to answer the question of why some stars wander around the sky in a geocentric theory requires considerable creativity and complexity. Those wandering stars are planets. The Greek called them planets. The Greek verb for wandering around is planao. These little dots of light that were wandering around in the sky were planetes. Copernicus realized that if we postulated the sun as the center point and imagined all the planets, including Earth, orbiting the sun, everything became rather easy to explain and to calculate. Of course, it took some time, but now we all pretty much accept the Copernican revolution. Copernicus looked at the world through Aristotle's eyes and saw that some aspects of the world were not accounted for very well. This inspired him to create a new way of looking at the world. Aristotle's theory did not do justice to the world that we experience. Copernicus created a theory that more usefully explains or embraces our world and our experience. So what connection do I draw between Copernicus and Bitzer? Aristotle gives us a theory for understanding rhetorical communication. His theory involves three modes of appeal and a call to action. I th- I really think Aristotle had in mind the law courts and the public assembly when he's applying his theory, and they are still useful in these contexts, and his modes of appeal can be applied in certain contexts. Bitzer, however, realizes that this theory is too narrow. Bitzer will argue, and I will agree with Bitzer, that we encounter the need for rhetorical communication far more often than is generally recognized. You might engage in rhetorical communication a dozen or more times per day in a normally functioning world. For example, perhaps I'm running late for class one day. I dash out of the house without making a coffee. I hurry to campus and discover I've made good time in traffic and the coffee shop is open and I need a coffee. Maybe caffeine withdrawal is kicking in. I go to the counter and I ask the barista for something. I give that person some money, and a few minutes later, I get my coffee. That scenario sounds rather mundane. Is there anything rhetorical about it? Who? You bet there is. Not so much for Aristotle. 
It's rhetorical because I had a problem. I had something in my world that needed to be changed. I couldn't change it. I needed to communicate with my audience. I asked an audience to perform an action that would make my problem disappear. Aristotle cannot really account for that rhetorical exchange, but it was absolutely rhetorical. Obviously, I made no ethos appeal. The audience would not be assessing my credibility. I made no pathos appeal, no consideration for their needs and wants and expectations, really. Very little at any rate. Uh, I might anticipate their desire for payment. My logos appeal, it's just a simple request. I'm not trying to build my ethos or my pathos appeal. I'm just, I like a coffee. Aristotle has little or no application in this type of situation. This is where Bitzer steps in. What Bitzer offers is a description of how rhetoric emerges in different situations. Hence, the title of his paper, The Rhetorical Situation. This paper is the first paper presented in the inaugural edition of a journal called Philosophy and Rhetoric. If you find his ideas or language challenging, Remember that he, as a philosopher, is attempting to uncover his topic's most essential or most universal aspects. His language is at times general because he wants to capture all the instances of rhetoric, including those caught by Aristotle. He does not want to be too narrow. Bitzer points out that rhetoric happens all the time around us and we need to think beyond the three modes of appeal. Rhetoric emerges from situations. Situations create the conditions for rhetoric. And here are some central quotations. It is the situation which calls the discourse into existence. It seems clear that rhetoric is situational, or a particular discourse comes into existence because of some specific condition or situation which invites utterance. I needed coffee. There was a place and a person serving coffee. I needed to say something. I needed to make an utterance, a call to action. A coffee appeared. My situation changed for the better. Let's look at my coffee situation from a different angle. Also, why is it rhetorical? Here, Bitzer's definition of rhetoric is, a work of rhetoric is pragmatic. It comes into existence for the sake of something beyond itself. It functions ultimately to produce action or change in the world. I'll say this, this is so important. A work is rhetorical because it functions ultimately to produce action or change in the world. It performs some task. So try to picture Bitzer's starting point here. A person encounters or experiences a situation that creates a need to communicate, to make an utterance, to say something to someone or some people. That communication is created to change the world in some way. Rhetorical communication produces a change in the world 
even if that change is something as small, as trivial as landing a coffee in my hands. My goal in this podcast is to show you how Bitzer expands the scope of rhetoric. By expanding the scope in this way, we now see that Aristotle's modes of appeal fall short as a tool for rhetorical communication in our world. Like Copernicus, Bitzer reimagines our world of communication and improves our understanding of it. For my next podcast, I will explore the three aspects which need to be considered in every rhetorical situation. Not every situation is rhetorical. So when is it rhetorical? And when is it not rhetorical? Next podcast.